0: So tonight we are finishing 1 Peter. What a journey it's been. So I will um, read through it and then we will break it down. Now I encourage you as an elder and eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ and one who shares in the glory that is about to be unveiled. I urge my fellow elders among you to be compassionate shepherds who tenderly care for God's flock and who will feed them well. For you have the responsibility to guide, protect, and oversee. Consider it a joyous pleasure and not merely a religious duty. Lead from the heart under God's leadership, not as a way to gain finances dishonestly, but as a way to eagerly and cheerfully serve. Don't be controlling tyrants, but lead others by your beautiful examples to the flock. And when the shepherd king appears, you will win the victor's crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, the younger ones should willingly support the leadership of the elders. In every relationship, each of you must wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant, because God resists you when you are proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you are humble. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. Be well balanced and always alert, because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stand against him. And resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure. And then after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. And he has all the power needed to do this forever. Amen. I, Peter, with the help of Silas, whom I consider a trustworthy, faith-filled brother, have written you this short letter so that I might encourage you and personally testify that this is the true, dependable grace of God. Stand fast in this grace. She who is in Babylon, who is co-elect with you, sends her greetings along with Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of peace. Peace to all who are in life union with Christ. Amen. So um, when I was studying to teach the last, or two times, I don't know how many times ago, I don't think it was last time, but there, oh, maybe it was last time, um, some commentators say that Peter really, um, they think that Peter ended First Peter at verse, or chapter 4, verse or 11. But then he picked the pen back up. Oh, by the way, as an afterthought, these are just a few more things I want to say before we actually put the letter in the mail and send it on its way, so to speak. And so as I read through this, some of it feels a little bit repetitive as what we've learned so far in this book. And I think it's just Kind of like um, in the Old Testament, or in the um, King James, where it's verily, verily, I say to you, you know, that let me emphasize it again. So I think there's just a couple things that Peter's like, just really hear me, take note, because this is important. And and I'm going to say it again, because it matters. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I like, so we'll just start in verse 1. Now I encourage you as an elder, and a lot of the, um, in fact, every commentator that I picked up, uh pointed out how peter is now calling himself the elder at the beginning an elder at the beginning of the book he um really gives his identity who he is and he says in chapter one verse one an apostle of jesus the anointed one Mm -hmm. so he's pulling on his hey i'm an apostle Mm -hmm. one of the 12 i walked with jesus You know, I was in the group. We talked um, on Sunday morning about Peter, James, and John. Like, he was in the in-group of the 12. He was the core. And so he starts it out. Hey, this is my authority. This is how I'm saying this to you because I want you to really know who I am. But now Peter takes a humble stand and he just refers to himself as an elder, just like any other church leader. But there is no difference between him and somebody else, so he's getting on equal footing with the leaders and pastors and elders, uh, essentially. Um, there in um, <clears throat> in the letter, so an eyewitness of the suffering of Christ. And this one commentary pointed out how it's the eyewitness part wasn't just, "Hey, let me tell you what happened," but. Hey, I lived it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was more than you observe an accident, but you're in the accident. You know, he, what, he lived it rather than just observed it from afar. And so when he speaks, he knows it. Like, the sufferings of Christ, he was there.
1: Mm-hmm. He
0: saw it firsthand. And then he's experienced suffering himself. And one who shares in the glory that is about to be unveiled. And so he's made references um, earlier in the letter about the glory that's coming. Or we even talked about it last week um, about uh, Around the Corner. You know, just that glory that's coming. And he just wants to highlight here, you know, there's something greater than what we know now. And so we're quick to teach. Or I, I feel like I say a lot. That salvation begins, eternity begins for us on the day that um, our life is transformed by Jesus Christ. It doesn't begin on the day we die. Eternity starts now. But there's something about heaven that makes us hungry for the Lord that... Um, I heard people say the older you get the more you long for heaven mm-hmm. yeah. and I find even I'm longing for heaven and mm-hmm. I broke the news to my parents that I'm a, I have a DNR and my mom was like why would you do a DNR you're so young and I said because mom could you imagine just being in heaven like mm-hmm. to me there's nothing greater <laughs> and she thinks I'm nuts and that's okay but I just think okay just take me Lord, take me I mean I'm happy to do the work he has, but I know, boy, I'm really looking forward to something beyond the things that where we won't have pain Mm -hmm. and we won't cry Mm -hmm. every day, every week on Fridays, I say to my students, um, open season in Bible class, you can ask me anything about the Bible. And if I know the answer, I'll tell you. And if I don't, I'll say, I don't know every week. I get the same questions. When we get to heaven, are we going to be able to see down here on earth? And every week I give the same answers. And now the kids are quoting me. Um, But And so I say to them, there's things in life that hurt. And so I don't know if people can see. Like, I don't know. And that's what I tell them. I don't know. But... I would be sort of surprised unless, and then I have one little student who will always finish my unless we can look through God goggles and we can see what's happening through a lens of the whole picture through this isn't a painful experience because of what's coming down the road or, you know, I don't know all of that, but what I do know is that when we get to heaven, there's just something that Peter keeps writing about over and over again something glorious, something we can't fathom. I mean, Jesus says, I go and I prepare a place for you. And so it's something we should long for and look for. Not that, I mean, we should be content that we're here and we're doing his work and we are um, growing the kingdom. Mm -hmm. But there is this element of what's around the corner, Mm -hmm. beyond just what's here tomorrow, but what waits for us when we finally do go to heaven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so he is saying, and one who shares in the glory that is about to be unveiled and really it's not unveiled until we're there with him. Some of it's a mystery mm-hmm. until we get there and we see the beauty. I don't uh, I don't like that we people and I heard growing up You know, you go to heaven because you don't want to go to hell. You ask Jesus into your heart because you don't want to go to hell. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's something beautiful about heaven. And some of those old-fashioned hymns Mm -hmm. that sing about heaven, I love some of those. And not Mm -hmm. that that should be our only focus. But tonight, let's just sit there for a minute. And let's just focus on heaven and just to imagine the majesty Mm -hmm. And the glory. And to hear the angels singing, holy, holy, holy. I just heard a sermon and he said, I don't remember who was preaching it. Um, but he said, you know, they didn't say good, 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 because God's good. They didn't say love, 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 because God's love. They said holy, 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 because he is holy. Yes. So that's something that we... In our finite minds, we just can't quite get it. I mean, there are times when the Lord will open new things to us and show us new things about who he is. But I don't think we can quite really get the whole picture because I think it would fry our brains. Because I don't think he created our brains to comprehend all that he is. And maybe it's like when you get, if you ever get a gift from Charmaine, it's wrapped beautifully. Mm -hmm. And it's gorgeous. And this is the wrapping. But then when you get to the gift, it's even better than the wrapping, especially if it's a First Lady pencil. (laughs) But um, she always gets me First Lady pencils. Anyways,
1: that's another story. Um,
0: So I'm just thinking, you know, God shows us a part of him. And it's the gift wrapping. But wait till we get to heaven and we see what's inside it's something to look forward to and I think there's a reason that Peter, John, um, Paul all write about looking beyond because there's just something neat and special waiting for us Um, look at verse 2 oh whoops I didn't finish this one I just got off on heaven um (laughs) That is Okay, I urge you, my fellow elders among you, to be compassionate shepherds who tenderly care for God's flock and who feed them well. For you have the responsibility to guide, protect, and oversee. And I thought of, when I read this, um, about feeding the sheep, and I thought of when Peter was, after he denied Christ... And then he's on the shore with Jesus. So I'm just going to read to you from John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. So just a couple verses. Um, Peter, oh, after they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me more than these? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lamps," Jesus said. Mm -hmm. Jesus repeated his question a second time. Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, yes, my Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Mm -hmm. Peter was saddened by being asked the third time and said, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. Jesus replied, then feed my lambs. And so I think Peter, when he's writing this, he's remembering what the Lord commissioned him to do. To feed his sheep, to care for his sheep, to be tender toward his sheep. And so when he's writing this, I just imagine if he's got that image in his mind, that conversation playing, and he begins to write about how we as shepherds care for our sheep, and we're all shepherds in different ways. Uh, I know I in my classroom, and my students, they're my sheep. And if you're a mom, they're your sheep. And a grandma, they're your sheep. And even Holiday, she's all of our little lamb. Like, three does not get the corner of the market on her. You know, she shares and she knows Like she said on Sunday I share her with you because we all prayed for her
1: mm-hmm. we did and so she's ours mm-hmm.
0: you know and she's our little lamb That look at how we get to love on her and be tender toward her and that's how God is calling us to be to whoever we have mm-hmm. under us that we care for And when we think of a pastor or an elder in that position, um, it softens it. Sometimes uh, I meet people who have been burned by the church or burned by a pastor. And my heart grieves for them because they missed out on this. And sometimes then they have a hard heart and they don't want to go back to church. Or they don't want to trust somebody in authority in a church again. And it angers me on, on some level and then I'm just broken with compassion because if they haven't sat under somebody who's a compassionate shepherd, who tender, tenderly cares for them, who feeds them, who knows it's their responsibility to guide and protect and oversee them, that's so sad. And then on the same hand, if you have a pastor who does those things for you... Let's build them up. Let's edify them. Let's encourage them. Let's be grateful to them and to tell them not just to be thankful in your own hearts, but to show it some way to them as a way of blessing them. Consider it a joyous pleasure and not merely a religious duty. That's really convicting because I know sometimes I walk into school and it's my duty to teach. Whatever is up next, especially computer and the computer teacher and the Bible teacher. And so I tell you, when I'm doing the Bible, I am doing all of this compassionate, loving, you know, it's this great. And then I walk into computer and it is like a religious, what does it say in here? Religious duty. It is, it is full duty. And so I am now walking into the computer lab and I'm saying, Lord, give me a love for this. Let the kids walk in here and know they're loved. If they don't learn anything in computer, which could possibly happen since (laughs) I'm their computer teacher, let them leave computer every day knowing that they're loved and cared for. You know? And so it's shifting the way I'm seeing computer class or maybe the years going on and they're... Really starting to get it. I don't know. But either way, it's a good shift. This is really honest. I don't think any of the parents listen to this, so it's okay. (laughs) Um, But it's true. I mean, when you look at things as a pleasure, joyous pleasure, like when I teach Bible, it is a joyous pleasure. There's nothing greater on earth for me to teach than this right here. This just, oh, I float. Like today, we didn't do seventh and eighth grade Bible. I was so disappointed because I love sitting down with the word. But then we still had a computer. I'm like, oh, well. But Charmaine's class came and they're wonderful because they're older and they're great. Um, so um, moving on. To, okay, where am I? Verse 3. Don't be controlling tyrants, but lead others by your beautiful examples uh, to the flock. Just remember, we're an example. You know, we are an example. And today, in my sixth grade Bible class, we read a verse where Paul was saying, "I wish I had written this down." But, um, but Paul saying, "Do what I do." You know, he was encouraging the church, "Do the things you've seen me do." So he recognized he could be that example. I mean that's pretty gutsy to get up and or to write a letter and say, okay, just do what I'm doing because how often do we not, you know, oh, dear, what did I just do? I messed up as a parent, right? Oh, no. Oh, why did I do that or why did I say that? But to be able to have that confidence to say, hey, I'm the example. Just follow it. Oh, that would be a neat place to be. Um, Let's see. Don't be, oh, I read that. And when the shepherd king appears, you will win the victor's crown of glory that never fades away. And it just feels like it's that reflection back on heaven again, when we get that crown of glory. I love how he calls him in here a shepherd king. Mm -hmm. Um, Other versions say chief shepherd or lord of the shepherds, um, because we are co-heirs with Christ, and he is a shepherd, and then we are shepherds. So when we can see that, he is the chief shepherd in a sense, but then he calls us shepherds. What a privilege that he calls us what he is, puts us in that same category. Verse 6, no, not 6, um, verse 5. In the same way, the younger ones should willingly support the leadership of the elders in every relationship, each of you must wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant. Because God resists you when you are proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you are humble. Um, I love this about when we submit our hearts. Oh, that's the next verse. Sorry. Um, humble in this verse is the same as in 3.8. So let's go back and look at 3.8. Now, this is the goal. To live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness toward other believers. Let humility describe who you are. So I talked about that a lot a couple of weeks ago. This is that same thing. And um, also, I remember talking about putting on... And in that, I don't know if that was in first Peter or in, um, one of the Johns or in Timothy, I don't remember, but it's that same idea when I was researching it, then it talked about like an apron and it is the same idea of literally putting it on and we're putting it on over ourselves, even over our clothing, right? Cause we don't put an apron on naked we've got our clothes and then we're we put our apron over it and what does an apron do a lot of times it protects us right it protects what's underneath and so when we think about when we put on the armor of god and where we're putting on the things that he's commanded us to put on and then finally we put humility over it <laughs> so that there's not pride in any of the gifts that the spirit's given us if our humility is the last thing we put on and it covers it you tie it around the back, right? And off you can go. Knowing that you are fully equipped with all of the armor and then the humility on top of it. I just love that picture of an apron. And I never really thought about it until I started digging deep into this um, and going, yeah. That, like, I could just see. It. I could see the whole thing. I could see the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit and just kind of go through all of it. And then they're resting on top. Is humility. Mm
1: -hmm. Because
0: when we're humble, look what he does to us. Grace, he multiplies grace and favor. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we um, experience all of that grace that we've talked about, that cascading grace, Mm -hmm. the overwhelming grace. And he multiplies it. So there's much of it. There's more of it, 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 um, more than we can fathom. So now look at verse 6, and I don't know, I know here in the Passion there is a break, but I don't think there should be a break, because I think it goes so well. He's saying, um, God resists you when you're proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you are (coughs) humble. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, or some um, versions will say, if you submit Mm -hmm. to God, He will eventually exalt you when... As you leave the timing in his hands. And so on Sunday, I talked a lot about the time. God's timing is perfect. Mm-hmm. He's yes. Sometimes he shows up in the 11th hour. And then sometimes he'll go before you and prepare away. And you just walk in it and it's smooth and easy. And Wow, this is amazing how God did this. Mm-hmm. But look what it says. He will exalt you in his, when you leave the timing in his hands. That just, like, it just gets me because I don't always leave the timing in his hands. I want to steer it my way or do something. And so even, um, you know, you might be humble. You might be, you know, gentle. But are we bowing low in God's awesome presence? Are we submitting to what he's asking us to do or or? going where he's wanting us to go or saying what he's wanting us to say and then in that he will exalt you have you ever worked for somebody that made life really difficult you know, I think everybody probably has had at least one boss that just really made it hard and the best thing that you can do in those moments, I think is just submit to their authority because when you kind of go okay, you're in charge. All you, I'm doing it your way. I learned this way young, and I'm so glad I did. Whatever you say, like, how can I back up? How can I just appease mm-hmm. the situation? Just bring peace to the situation. Because when that happens, then you're exalted and into a new position or into a position of leadership. It's happened to me in my life, even I was um, several years ago, I had an interesting situation, and so I called it my year of silence. And I really just stopped talking when, um, in a work situation because I was not, was not benefiting anybody, not me, not the organization, not the person I worked for. And so mm-hmm. I went into my year of silence and at the end of my year of silence, I gained so much more respect from my boss mm-hmm. than had I continued just talking. But the mm-hmm. Lord said, it's time to be quiet. And so I went around telling people, this is my year of silence and I mm-hmm. stuck to it. And so I learned in that, if we can just submit, if it's appropriate, you know, um, not if they're asking you to do something illegal, but then just watch God in his timing, redeem it and bring you out of it and not just bring you out of it, but exalt you to where he has you to be. Um, Pour out your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. And I like the commentary in um, the Passion. So it just says, or you could read it this way. Load upon him your every anxiety, for he is always watching over you with tender care. And it tells us to see Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two. So I'm just going to read it to you. So here's what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord. And measureless grace will strengthen you. That's beautiful to me. Leave your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord. And measureless grace will strengthen you. Just like it said earlier, it said um, he multiplies grace. Here it's his measureless grace, meaning you can't measure it. There's no amount of grace that he's going to, you can't, there's not a number you can put on it. And that means there's not a stopping point. It's not like you can outgrace God or, you know, like, oh, well, I'm done. I'm at the max. Max capacity, you hit it, Louise. Sorry, you know. No, he just keeps keeping it on us over and over. Um, I don't know if I've shared with you or not, but Second Timothy one twelve is a verse that the Lord really used um, to help me with worry. And if I've shared it with you, forgive me. But when I was studying this um, this morning, when I was taking notes on what I was going to say, I really felt like. Um, I would share this with you. So 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 1-2. No, I think it is 1-12. The confidence of my calling enables me to overcome every difficulty without shame. For I have an intimate revelation of this God. And my faith in him convinces me that he is more than able to keep all that I have placed in his hands safe and secure until the fullness of his appearing. And I was just reading through the Bible one day and I came across this verse and the NIV says it a little bit different, but it's that whatever I entrust with the Lord, I know I can trust God to take care of whatever I'm giving him. And so here in the passion it says um my faith in him convinces me that he is more than able To keep all that I've placed in his hands safe and secure. And so in my mind, I just started like sometimes when I would wake up in the morning, the list would start and it would be everything I had to do that day and everything I need to worry about and things I didn't even need to be worried about. Like would I have enough money when I retired? And I think I was probably like 32. And so it was just awful. Like that would be the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning is retirement know, because then enemy could get in there and I, I let him like, okay, yeah, let's, let's think on that. Let's dwell on that. And so here, the Lord took me to this and he was just like, Louise, give it to me every day. Just give me your day. I'm not asking you to give me your future. I'm not asking you to give me 10 years from now. I'm asking today, what is going through your mind right now today? What are the things that you're worrying about? What's going playing over and over and over and over and over that you can't stop? What is it? And then give it to me. Trust me with it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just for today. Tomorrow we'll do it again. But today, this is—I just want your today.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I was able to just say, "Okay, I'm going to give you today. Here it is." And so there are many times. Hey, Jessica, I'm sorry. No, you don't it. <laughs> it's a good interruption. <laughs> so, she no matter what's going on, <laughs> whatever it is, just for today, give it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. The tomorrow, I mean he even says, let tomorrow worry about itself. So I'm just here for today. Here's my thing today, Lord. You take it today, and then tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'll give you my new thing. And sometimes it was the same thing. Every day, but eventually it broke that pattern that was going on over and over in my mind of just okay, here it is. And I could trust That he would take it. So when I was reading this today, and I learned it in the NIV and the King James, but I really like how this says it here in the Passion. Pour out all your worries and stress. What does it say in the NIV? Because right now I can't think of it. Cast all your cares upon him, right? Is that it? For, he cares for you?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So this, I just like the way the sounds. Put all your worries and stress upon him. Mm-hmm. And maybe because we hear a lot about being stressed out in our society. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if people had this kind of stress 50 or 100 years ago that we have today. Things just move at a faster pace.
1: Mm-hmm. We're doing
0: a whole lot more, like, It's insane sometimes what a schedule can look like. And especially when I sit at a parent-teacher conference and they're telling me all that their kids are involved in and they think, when do they have time just to sit at home and watch Scooby-Doo like I did? Mm
1: -hmm. Or
0: go run outside and play with the neighbors? Mm -hmm. Because they're at this game and then they're going to this practice and then they've got this function going on and they're taking this class. And it's like, oh my goodness, these poor babies. Mm -hmm. They just, they're nonstop. And all we're doing is training up little worry warts that are in knots because they've got a thousand things going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So take a step out. That's just extra. That's a bonus. Mm-hmm. No charge for that. Um, but it's that same thing of stress. I like that he uses stress because I don't know if my great-grandmother needed to read the word stress as much as I need to read the word stress.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And leave them there. Look at the next part. For he always tenderly cares for you. Not sometimes. You just got to hit him on the right day. But he always tenderly cares for you. Verse 8. Be well balanced and always alert. Because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly. Like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Can somebody read it in the NIV? I didn't bring my NIV. I forgot it. Be
1: alert. I think I have NIV. Yeah, it sounds right. (laughs) Be self-controlled. Be
0: self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, crawls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Yeah. It's that idea of self control. I like this well-balanced. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. It is different. But the idea of be self-controlled mm-hmm. and alert,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, self-control is a fruit of the spirit. So that's a command. It's kind of like a reminder. You already have this. It's not like you got to go work at it. It's in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You just got to say, Holy Spirit, I want to operate in this gift of self-control that you've given me. This is what you're telling me. Peter's reminding me to do this, that you've already gifted me. It's not like you have to work on it. It's yours. Do you take it or not? Take it. Grab onto it. And then be alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly, Like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. And again, I feel like those two verses could tie together because he's saying, give me your worries. Because if you don't give me your worries, if you're not going to cast him on me, then he's going to come in. That enemy is going to come in and he's going to knock your legs out. And he's going to, in the passion, he really, in the commentary, goes into it. But he's going to isolate you. He's going to get you where um, you're all alone. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You're thinking you're it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You don't have a community. And then he's going to just knock you down and Mm -hmm. devour you. Think about a lion devouring its prey. I mean, he's just ripping that flesh off. Mm -hmm. So what do we do with that? Look at James four seven where is James relation is it before first Peter I don't want to sing the whole song in front of everybody yes it is James it's before first Peter James four seven says I could probably quote it but I'll look it up so then surrender to God or in the NIV, it says, submit to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him. The NIV, it says, resist him and he will turn and run away from you. Mm-hmm. Move your heart closer and closer to God and he will come even closer to you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what do we do when do we feel that enemy coming? When do we know, uh oh, here I am, you don't have to panic. You just submit to God. You resist him. So you just go back to the Lord. You go back to verse 6. Uh, bow low in God's awesome presence. Get in his presence. Humble yourself. Go stick yourself at the foot of the cross. Like, I'm right here. Here I am. And it's, what works for me is I start worshiping. I will sing a praise song. And the enemy does not want to be around praise music. He hates that. And so then he does run. He runs fast. Like a lion. They're fast runners, you know? So even though, you know, we've got this image of him devouring, put an image in your mind of his running as fast as he can away from you.
1: Because of who you
0: are in Christ. Because once you're
1: Declare, hey,
0: this is who I am. I'm submitted to the Lord. I am his. Then he's gone. And he's hightailing it out as fast as he can. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. I love that. It's not... Stand up to him and start yelling at him and rebuking him. And no, it's strong, vigorous faith. Where's your faith? Who is your faith in? Because if our faith is fully in the Lord, then there's no room for the enemy. We can't can't have our feet in two different camps. Mm In 2 Corinthians, this year, my verse for this year the Lord gave me was 2 Corinthians 5 17. No, so I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 15 57. I wrote really small, and when I was mm-hmm. writing this morning, I thought, why are you writing so small? Now I'm asking myself, why did you write <laughs> so small? Because you can't even be your own handwriting. 2 Corinthians 15. That doesn't make sense. 13, 13, 13. There's not a 15. 13. Oh, Lord, what is it? Maybe it's 1 Corinthians 15? Is there a 1 Corinthians 15? Randy, please edit this out. <laughs> there is a 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, 57? No? What's it about? It's about Stanford. Okay, I have it. Oh, here it is. It's 1615. What did I write? Well, I was doing this at about Second 10 to 5 this morning. 1 Corinthians <laughs> So, you know, you gotta bear with me. I was, but this time, at this point, maybe I was at 5.15. a.m. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 16, verse
1: 15.
0: And, is that a 15? <laughs> That's not it. Is it? You remember to stay alert? Yeah, I think it is. Stay alert and hold firmly to all you believe in. know that's not it. Okay, I took a picture. I have it on my um, chalkboard
1: mm-hmm. at home.
0: Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Mm-hmm. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And when I look here and he, he says, stand against him. You know, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Don't let the enemy come in and move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Isn't that the same as submitting to him? Right, okay, here I am, Lord. I'm all yours. All of me is yours because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's what we're called to do. Uh, next week, I will have the correct Bible reference for you for this verse. That was my verse for this year. And I've looked at it, and I've said it, and I've read it, and I've meditated on it. It's what I'm called to do, just to stand firm. Regardless of what wind is coming my way, what attack of the enemy, what assault. I'm just going to stand firm. Right here. And I've got a foundation underneath me that the Holy Spirit has laid. And just stand in it with that strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your bro- believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure. And this is really, these people were suffering. Mm-hmm. They were being persecuted for the Lord. And I think of our brothers and sisters in countries like China and Iran mm-hmm. and Syria, mm-hmm. where they really are suffering for the Lord. You know, they're not going through, like when I went to Sprouts and the, I said, I'm happy because of Jesus, and the woman looked at me like I was crazy. That is not suffering for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Suffering for the Lord is being beaten and whipped and, you know, there's this woman that I keep reading about um, uh, and she is waiting to be killed for the Lord. Like she is standing trial and she's been found guilty and they're waiting to set the date of her execution because she's a believer. She had her child. She was pregnant when they arrested her. She had her child in prison. They took the child away. Like this is this woman's life. Look at Grace and Emmanuel are here because they have suffered for the Lord. And that's who he's writing to. You're not alone because there are other people just like you. And then after your brief suffering, the the God of all loving grace who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ will personally and powerfully restore you, and make you stronger than ever. And again, I think of when Jesus is saying to Peter three times, Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Because Peter denied Jesus three times. And so Jesus personally and powerfully restored him. He met him right where he was on the shores Probably bringing in some fishing boats. Having fish for breakfast, which sounds disgusting to me. (laughs) And he just meets him right where he is. And he's like, you're forgiven? I mean, Jesus didn't say those words, but that's what he was saying to him. I have a plan for you. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter that you denied me three times. I already knew you would. And even when I knew you would, I still said, You're going to, I'm going to restore you and you're going to do this for the kingdom. Like as Jesus is telling him, you're going to deny me. Then he's saying, you're going to mess up and then I'm going to restore you and you're going to do great things for me. And so then at the end, before the Lord goes to heaven, one of the last things written in the book of John is Jesus personally restoring him and powerfully with his authority. That's our God. So no matter what we have in our past, it doesn't matter. Because he personally comes to you and says, you're totally forgiven. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about the destiny that I have for you, the plans I have for you, and that's what matters. So don't let the enemy isolate you and come at you and try to devour you and destroy you and take you down so that you can't do the thing that I really want you to do. Because I have great plans for you. And he has all the power needed to do this forever. It never stops. And it goes back to when we read... um, a couple weeks ago the very powers of heaven including every angel and authority now yield in submission to him he is in the place of supreme authority next to God that's who's doing this for you it goes on to say I Peter with the help of Silas whom I consider a trustworthy faith filled brother and Silas is um, in Acts we read about him quite a bit he and Paul take missionary journeys together And um, in the Passion, he says that quite possibly Silas was one of uh, the 70 that Jesus sent out. Mm. So he sat at the feet of Jesus and he learned.
1: Mm.
0: And he knew Jesus well. And he served him. And so now he's sitting with Peter. And he's writing this with Peter. And why does Peter write this letter? I love this. So that I might encourage you and personally testify that this is the true, dependable grace of God. And then he says, stand fast in this grace.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. These are the last few words of this letter. And here he's Mm -hmm. right. I want to encourage you to stand fast Mm -hmm. in the grace, the never ending grace. The grace that continues to just pour out over you. The grace that overwhelms you. Stand fast in that. She who is in Babylon, who is co-elect with you, sends her greetings. So this Babylon, she who's in Babylon, um, could be Rome. At that time, they were interchanging Babylon and Rome. Um, So it could be Rome. It could be Peter's wife. Could be somebody we don't know. But somebody who is co-aligned with you, another believer, sends her greetings along with Mark, my son. And so Mark is um, the author of Mark. Mark is John Mark. Mark is the guy who goes on the missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, and then he quits because it's just too much. And then years later, he wants to try again, and Paul's like, oh, "No,
1: Mm-mm.
0: it ain't happening." And he and Barnabas actually separate. Barnabas takes John Mark, who is his nephew or cousin, I forget which, kind of takes him under his wing like Barnabas does, because that's Barnabas the encourager. And then Mark is faithful. He turns it around, and he gets that second chance that Barnabas gives him. And maybe because God gave Barnabas a second chance. How many chances has God given you? And so now here he's sitting with Peter, And he, Peter, calls him his son. Greet one another with a holy kiss of peace. And then he ends this, which I think is just beautiful, peace to all who are in life union with Christ. That's a beautiful picture, life union. I can't think of a better thing I'd want to do than be in life union with Christ. Amen. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: let's pray Lord we want to be in life union with you we want to um, we want to be found faithful we want to submit fully to you to just sit at your feet to cast our cares on you Mm -hmm. God that's just our heart to do the things that Peter is writing for us to do And so I just ask that you would um, Holy Spirit you would encourage us in the ways that we need encouraging Mm -hmm. Remind us of the things we need reminding so that we would um, more fully have that life union with you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.